this week on Grip and Grin. The best time of year seems so far away, but it will be here before we know it. In the meantime, the team keeps their lines tight by hitting the hard waters of Maine and the rolling frigid waters of Mass. Listen along as the Grip and Grin team releases a mixed bag of stories, equipment, and tips. Welcome all you listeners to another episode of Grip and Grin. Here we are talking about some more fly fishing. Yeah, it doesn't get old. It never gets old. So uh, you, you better get used to it because by the time uh, <laughs> spring rolls around, we're going to have a lot more fly fishing to talk about. So It'll be full throttle. Yep. And we're only ramping up from here. And today's pod is kind of a, a mishmash of pretty much... A bunch of different things. Obviously, we're talking fly fishing, but we're going to talk about flies, new gear, new states. Yep. And maybe a little ice fishing. <laughs> we'll sprinkle it in there, yeah, but just a little a tasting. <laughs> well, so to dive into it, I housekeeping, li- get some housekeeping going. Oh, yeah. Check the Instagram, check the other pods. Should be a bunch of pictures up by now. By now, there's there's a lot of pictures. Salmon, yeah. brown trout, other fish that's been caught. Um, the other pods are out. Make sure you listen. Share with your friends. It's good shit, man. Yeah, I mean, with our setup now, <laughs> it, it's easy to uh, crank these out. Yes. yes. But I've been doing a lot of fly tying. I've been talking about it a lot in previous pods, and... A lot's, lot's happened, and in terms of in the past four weeks, and in terms of my whole, like, fly tying, I guess, career or whatever, skill set, Yeah, I have, uh, I've been tying a lot of flies lately. It's, it's wintertime, obviously, gearing up for the whole season, having a, an inventory of flies, filling up my fly boxes, and getting better at fly tying. I've been... Really, really, really diving deep into getting some nymphs done because first, how I usually do it is I I tie up all my nymphs because I'm going to be using those currently and in early spring. I followed that up by uh, tying up some dries and then on the back burner right now is the streamers. Like I'm not really concerned about that because I'm not really using those. But the the biggest change that I've learned is just materials. What you use for materials with tying your flies. I, we talked about this earlier today where I only want to have flies that I use in my box. Mm. I only want to use flies that look good. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to waste time buying a cheap material to make a, a dozen flies I'm never going to want to use because they look like shit. Well, it's almost like now that, you, now that you're making like genuine flies, like professional grade flies... Now, like, if you were to buy flies, you would try and get your money's worth with it. You know what I mean? Exactly. But now, like, you can just easily, if something's wrong with you, like, ah, fuck that one. We'll just tie a new one. Yeah, like, I mean, we went through your box today, and I just threw out, no, like, a... you went through my box today, and <laughs> it was just... We got rid of what? At least 30 to 40 flies, probably. And I wouldn't even think about fishing any of them. And yeah. they're poor quality, falling apart what have you. 
So I've been I've been really focusing in on when I make a fly, it's going to be worthy of the box type deal. Right. So meaning when you step on the water, you want any of those flies to be using, not like one where you're like, eh. It's just a space filler in there. Like you don't want any of that. Exactly. So one of the new materials I've been using is called the CDC feather. It's a canard de canuck or something. It's a French term. It's kind of like on the the tail end of a duck, and they Mm. nip at it in the water, and it helps them float. So this, this feather... It's a very buggy feather. It holds air really well, so it's really good on dry flies. Mm. But it's equally as good on nymphs because, one, it holds air bubbles, and that kind of makes it look like an emerging wing casing for a fly. It kind of goes to, like, your fly tying materials kind of make me think about, like, when we're buying equipment now, it's like you don't buy, like, just random shit. Like, you almost want to buy, like, good quality material, good quality products because... It'll last longer. Like it lasts longer, looks better, it fishes well, and I got these from Utah, which is even like more badass. Because I've had I've been having a difficult time finding these feathers in my local fly shop, so I actually picked up a couple bags of that when I was out traveling out there. So to get into the new flies I've tied up, and I'm just gonna kind of run through them. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to talk about them. Not having a video. No visual aid, yeah. So I obviously tied up all my old reliables. Guides Choice, Pheasant Tail, Pheasant Tail uh, Emergers, Perdigons, what have you, Midges. But the biggest changes have come to the Stonefly department. Yep. I've made some spectacular stones that you haven't even seen yet. And nope. one of them's a de-ribbed stone. I made a 20-inch stone. Go online and look at all these photos because it's kind of hard to like talk about what they are. Yep. But I made many, many new beadhead emergers, and I love emergers, like a, a guide's choice with that soft tackle around with the CDC feather. They look amazing. But I also, you haven't seen this yet, I've done new designs and variations on some traditional patterns like a prince nymph. I That's kind of the cool part, though, about tying flies is like you can always just customize it the way you like you know what i mean exactly you can put you kind of throw together materials and you can make it look even better than the original Mm. and that's where the creativity comes into it into it knowing what like bugs are in the water what colors work best what makes it look buggy at the end of the day you just want to be a bug yeah so and then that that almost kind of sums it up right now i finished off all the nymphs for now i'm starting to tie some dries and I'm lucky that I don't really have to refill my box for dries, but it's all inventory. So when yeah, I would lose, say between you and I both, I mean, we're I pro we're I would say we're running like eighty five ninety percent like capacity for dries right now. Yeah, so. so everything I make right now is actually going to my Just spare box overstock. Yeah, so because I I definitely lose more dries than I do nymphs because mm. you lose those double double rigs and you'll be out ten flies real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But in other news, I've been doing some solo outings. Quite a few of them. Dude. Solo outings to, like, some pristine spots, too. And it's it's crazy because you came down in January, did absolutely fantastic. But right when you left, the Mm -hmm. weather changed. Like, Mm -hmm. it, it became actual winter fishing. 
where I'm going out, I'm trudging through a foot of snow, there's ice shelves, my boots are freezing, I'm freezing, it's cold, it's windy, it's a high of 20 degrees. It's been a lot different since you were down. But per usual, I'm nymphing because that's pretty much the predominant way to fish right now in the rivers I'm in. I got my 9-foot 4-weight Reddington cross, uh, sorry, classic trout with a my new Lampson Remix Reel new textured line on it. I talked about it in an earlier pod. That new textured line in the winter will cut your hand very badly. Do you get, like, even ice buildup in between the grooves? Uh, Does that ever happen? Not really, because it's always in the water. In the, yeah. So, it, But it, if you're, like, walking down the road, like, going from spot to spot, is it, it's possible, right? It's possible, but I haven't really run into that. It's mostly this the buildup in the guides, which has been a real big issue. Yeah. And another important thing, I didn't think of this until now, but, like, always keep your, your reel out of the water. Like, yeah. Especially you, in winter fishing. You definitely don't want to put your reel in the water, because once that freezes, your day's pretty much over. Yeah. So... I've been running those new stone flies, a D-rib stone and a 20-inch stone, and those two flies have been absolutely absolutely annihilating fish. Slaying. <laughs> so I've been doing – I've been going to two spots mainly, and one of them we've talked about, and I finally got to go there, and it's the Farmington River in Connecticut. It looks great. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And it doesn't run as like high as you think it would either. Yeah, so it's it's very it's a very tame tailwater, so you're never really gonna get like uh a one hundred CFS to a two thousand CFS in one day type of flow increase. Right. It's always gonna be between like a, f- a few hundred to a thousand. You're never really gonna jump around too much there. They their uh release schedule is very, very constant. Because similar to your Massachusetts uh, river, you're looking at like, you know, what what's like the max flow that you would feel at this point in time, feel comfortable fishing the Farmington? Right now, so definitely a 1,000 CFS is... The cutoff line. The cutoff line, and that's downstream because you have a bunch of feeder rivers coming into this uh, river. So right. the dam can release 300, but you have another major river that dumps in that's going to be equal to what they're releasing from the dam. Now, is that in addition to that flow, or do you have to add or incorporate You have that? to incorporate it. Yeah. So you have to kind of look at these two flows to really figure out what the actual flow of the river is. So when I actually went down, it was the first time the flows have actually gone to 1,000 because they were just a tinge above it. Mm-hmm. And that's still incredibly high for this river. So I actually I got a tip from my, uh, my local fly shop. I went to a f- local fly shop in Connecticut and got some uh, intel on what flies to use, what to look for, and it's honestly it's kind of the same old, same old. Yeah. Like I didn't really learn anything from that. But when I went down, I I didn't fish the best holding spots for winter trout because I, like we talked about, I was learning where the road went, oh, where I like, could park. Yeah, I was gonna say you were you were grinding in the sense of learning. Yeah, I, there was just so much, so much going on. Just looking at the river, how, where can you park? Where can you approach the river? A lot of people. Where, there's just a lot of. It's 15 miles of river, or even more than that. Do you see people? Oh, there's definitely. It's definitely a busy river, year round, but it's renowned for being a great. There's plenty of trout. there's plenty of space to spread out. Exactly. So I saw probably six anglers, but you have many, 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 many pullouts. Yep. to choose from. 
So I was fishing, again, not quite the best in winter holding water, but the flows were a little high, so I didn't really want to put myself in a sticky situation in terms of waiting, not knowing the rocks, not really knowing anything. <laughs> so I went closer to the headwaters of the river, and I was actually able to land my first Connecticut brown trout. Nice brown, too. Yeah, it was definitely... 18? Uh, 18? Uh, not quite. It was like 15-inch. Yeah. So definitely a holdover. wasn't a wild trout, but still it was a snake. Victory. A, 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 a victory, and it just... I I didn't expect to catch anything. Mm. Maybe bottom, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of sums up my trip down there, and I've done many, many outings. Have you only been there once? Yes, I've only been there once because the flows... I you went there twice for some reason. The flows haven't cooperated, and I do want to go down again. So I can learn more and then bring you down there. But I've been doing many outings in Mass. And I'm going to kind of sum up four outings and little bullet points here. But every time I've been going to this tailwater that we've been to a few times, I've always gone to new water on that river. Which is, I mean, pretty crazy. You've been fishing that river pretty hard for two years now. Yeah, I know. And there's... I'm pretty close to have having said I fished the entire good section. Yeah. But there's there's places where you can only fish in low flows, mm-hmm. which I do not have access to right now. It's been running like decently high since November, honestly. So I've been restricted to where I can go. But I've been I've been finding spots to check out and, you know, learning like, oh, that's a good pool. That'll be good for low flows, or this is a spot good for high flows. Because I've run into this issue where I'm going to a new spot on the river. I don't know if it's really weightable. Can I cast when it's high water? Or is it really, really skinny at low water? So you never want to think about in low water. So there's all these different things I'm taking in. So when I go back and try to catch my February brown, Mm -hmm. I have all this bank of intel and spots to go to, even if it's like, quote unquote, busy. Well, as soon as once you figure out like, the charge for the or the discharge for the day, then you're like, oh, it's say 800 CFS. You could be like, oh, so in the past, do you you always take notes when you're hunting? Do you take notes when you're fishing? Yep, I do that now. How long did you just start this year? I made it way more official this year. Yeah, I had notes prior to, but they weren't like dated notes. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. just kind of like general like. So bullets. now you can look back and see like during that discharge, what spots worked best. Exactly, and for me, it's a lot easier to look back on flows of a river than it is for me to look back on a certain hunt with certain wind and all that. Because I feel like when you're hunting, it changes all the fucking time. Yes, with fishing, there's. There's like what you have to think about weather flows. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, and if you weather maybe flies, but you probably already know the flies by then. So, but I've been going out in mass and I've been learning how to find wild trout holes. And that's been the biggest thing I've learned since uh, a couple pods ago. I talked about the big browns I've caught. I've been out, I don't know, five times since then. And I've been catching wild browns only when I go out. Only. So that's been a big upgrade in my skill set. And it's it's all about, and this I can only say, you can only do it by going out and fishing all the time. 
It's just looking at water and knowing what the water is going to be. Now, on the previous podcast, you mentioned like large browns, quote unquote. Yeah. So, <laughs> I in the other pod, I talked about the two monsters I caught, but I, I've caught a couple other mini monsters. I would say. I thought they were bigger than the ones that you talked about before. Um. Well, the the two I caught. And that bridge pool were the two biggest of my life. Yes. The ones I've caught since then are still in the top five, but they're not those those caliber. So pretty much my top five trout that I've caught this year have been in the month of January. <laughs> the sad news is <laughs> <laughs> I did lose two fish, and this was on the same day, which sucked. But one, ice in the guides is no joke. Mm-hmm. So I, I hooked into this. I was fishing new water. Beautiful, beautiful undercut bank. Gorgeous. Like six feet deep if you took one step off the bank. So I was actually farther in the river casting to the shoreline. which Easy was kind to of, mend the line. Yep. And I hooked into this beautiful brown, definitely a top three trout, 20 inches minimum. And... I get him to the net, but my guides are all frozen. So, so I, you, you fought him for a while. You got yep. a good look at him and everything. Well, this is a different one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I get him to the net. and Oh, I, right, right, right. Yeah, I yeah. could not get the fly line through the guides. Dude. And I got Hand line it. <laughs> oh, I as I'm pulling down, I get the hand uh, my hand on the line. But by then, it took line. It was like stuck in one between two guides and... For a second, I thought I was going to snap my rod. Really? Yeah, it was It was a big deal because it was not even like, you know when you have ice build up in your guides, it's kind of like a ring? Right. This is just blocks of ice. Stuck I'd rather on lose the a loop. fish than a fly rod. Yeah, exactly. It was on the loop-to-looped connection too. So I had multiple chunks of ice all along my fly, fly line, and it was like 20 degrees. So it was, it was not ideal. It was not <laughs> ideal. So I lost that fish. I really... Wasn't even, I didn't really care. Caught a nice fish after that. <laughs> Just a, a little redemption. Right. Followed it up with the one that you were thinking of. So I'm in this, it wasn't even a pool. It was just a, a good straightaway where it was all like thigh deep across the entire river. And it wasn't slow, but it wasn't fast. It was just a perfect like rolling wave type mm. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after I caught uh, the one right before, I cast down to the middle. Nice mend, nice mend. And then I just see this. What I th- could have swore for a split second, I was like, is that a fucking Atlantic salmon? <laughs> How big this fucking fish was. Come up and take the top stone, which is a big note here. It took the top fly. Hook into it, it rolls, gorgeous brown, just massive. Definitely would have been my biggest fish if I caught it, but fight it for a good... Biggest, like, trout on a fly rod ever. Biggest trout I've seen. Jesus. Okay. Wow. That, damn. <laughs> I'm saying That's it's... That's big. <laughs> huge. <laughs> Hook into it, fight it, fight it, fight it, get him in the slow water, get him to, like, 10 feet... And I'm beneath him, too, which is perfect. Perfect, because I don't have to worry about the current. I'm just going to pull him up a little bit, let the current pull him to me, and net him. 
And as I lift up, it just kind of like it's stuck. I'm like, no, no. I caught a fucking log underneath, and he was able to break off that top fly. Mm. So devastation. But I honestly, looking back, it hurts more than actually now or then because when I when it happened, I was like, what am I gonna do? But at the same time, like, holy crap, that was sick. That was a pig. Yeah. <laughs> So that that kind of sums up my outings. I've I've gone out after that. I've caught fish, all browns, all wild. I haven't caught a holdover rainbow. I don't even know. Seriously, I think I don't think I've caught one. <laughs> no, I did this month or in January. It was very beginning. Jeez. So it's it's been great. I wouldn't be afraid to get out there and chase some trout and you know. Dang. Find some new waters. Definitely the experience helps, but we're gonna have to switch gears a little bit though for you to hop in here more and talk about <laughs> some, yeah. some of your outings. <laughs> so you're you're looking for new waters and I'm I'm just scrapping looking for ice, dude. Like <laughs> this ice fishing season in Maine has like it's off to the wrong foot. It was very, very slow to acquire ice. Yeah, you lost pretty much a whole month. A whole month. And so Streeter and I, we, you know, there's a pond that we usually hit, a very small pond. It's maybe two acres. Uh yeah, two yeah, it's it's not big. Um, heavily stocked. So they're all stockies, you know, all tankers. But um, you know, it's always good to just get get the traps wet, go through some Make sure your gear is all in order and whatnot. But um, so we actually went out uh, early, early January. We went out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after your fly fishing trip down to Mass. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting putting down the fly rod and then grabbing like your trap. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And probably re rigging all that with eight pound uh, mono is a little bit different oh, than 5X tippet. Yeah. And uh, so. Got out there. Uh, we got out there early, and um, we actually tried two different ponds that day. But first pond we went to, um, I mean, we were just raking the friggin' brookies. Um, caught a bunch of brookies. I I threw all the brookies back that I caught. Yeah. I, Which, do you still have fish or no? Dude, I'm out. Huh? I have zero fish. Huh. And I was throwing fish back. Interesting, especially with stalkers. They were like... 12 that, see that's that's the 12. issue you and need, i'm like you need a little more meat I'm on like, there ah. and they had stocked 18 inch uh, brookies in there um 60 of them actually and uh streeter had he, he had to work like at noon time for a few hours or something like that so i stayed out but um be, right before he left dude he caught a freaking monster stocky like <laughs> I mean, give me. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a tanker, but it was a nice brookie. So correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. Was this the outing where I Facetimed you with my brown yeah. trout? <laughs> yes, yes, it was. So yeah, uh, he went to work after he caught that mat. So he caught two good sized brookies. Like, and if I had caught those, yeah, I would probably would have kept them. They were like the big ones. Um, I think his biggest one was like eighteen and a half, but um, beautiful brook trout. He left, and then I'm just there on the ice waiting for him to like get out of work. 
and caught some more brookies, you know, small ones. But yeah, we FaceTimed each other and you were fly fishing, catching trout and I was ice fishing, <laughs> catching brookies. It was friggin' awesome. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then afterwards we went to another pond because on that small pond, we only had three inches of ice. Mm, mm. You'd have three inches in one spot and we were... We focused our attention on one side of the pond because it was shaded. Yep. So that was a shaded side of the pond, and we were able to um, obviously get on the ice there. Across the way, we watched a couple other guys try and get on the ice, fell through on the edge, Oof. and I was like, that's Oof. a cold day. That's a cold day. Um, but yeah, we went, we went somewhere else in the afternoon, and this pond was about 44 acres, so a larger pond, um, man-made pond. Uh, they also stocked trout in there, but street, I'm gonna give you shit for it. I mean, 44 acres. How many like trout do you think they would throw in there? Like a minimum 500. You know, minimum. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, 200. <laughs> it was like 200 or like 250. I was like, wait, this entire pond they only stocked, and this was back in. It was either October or like early December. Huh. So you're telling me that first pond you were at, that was two acres. Two acres, and they put a shit ton of brook trout in there. Compared, like, compared to the second pond. Seems like wasted money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't seem. It is wasted money. It is. Yeah, it, you're, if you're going to put... I don't know how they decide how much goes in each pond, but it's very questionable. There's some ponds that we've been to that have that has crystal clear water, mm -hmm. and they only put a couple hundred, and this is a massive pond. Yep. Yep. But then they decide... I Again, I don't know if we talked about this, but didn't they stock a pond that I used to go to to catch pickerel and bass? Yes. That that just <laughs> and isn't there milfoil in that pond too? I don't think there's milfoil in there. No. I'm pretty sure. Oh well, we, we've been to one of those too. We've been to one of those. Yes, that <laughs> one. Oh my! See, that's a lot of questionable decisions where they're putting these rookies. But but anyways, uh, we we <laughs> uh, caught some fish. You know, I caught a decent sized largemouth at that second pond, which to me, uh, great. I got a flag. I did have. Can't confirm. Um, but with the head shakes I was getting from this flag that I got and the amount of line that, that they... We were on the phone when this happened. Yes, we were. I sprinted to this flag, which was like 100 yards away, and when I got to it, I mean, the line coming off of that reel just reminded me of like that pike that I caught. Just bubbles coming off the reel. I was like, God damn. And Streeter was telling me that they had stocked, I think it was like... 20 inch brookies Oof. i think it was either yeah i'm pretty sure it was 20 or 22 it was, anyways massive brookies and so i was like no shit and so i'm like it's got to be one of them and when i set the hook you could just feel the head shakes back and forth and i was like yep uh-huh started like pulling popped off Ugh. i was like oh but yeah whatever so happens then, Put another trap over there. I got more flags, but that was pretty much that. Pretty much sums up our first outing. Um, it almost sums up all your outings. It almost sums. <laughs> up, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, uh, sadly. Um, you know, we shifted gears because Streeter was like, I really want to get into pike, you know, really want to catch a pike. And I'm like, with ice conditions, it was kind of sketchy um, early on. And, you know, a lot of people were hesitant to get on the ice and so on and so forth. And finally one day I was like, you know what, you've poked me enough, let's just go do it. Let's just go to our pike spot. So rigged up the traps for pike and uh, set out. And, I mean, the pond we're fishing is over 5,000 acres. It's a big pond. But those little coves and in uh, those little coves, you can actually get a good chunk of ice on those coves early on. So, uh, lo and behold, walking probably like a quarter mile out onto this body of water, quarter mile. I mean, early fishing, uh, kind of sketchy. We weren't the first ones out there. There were snowmobile tracks and stuff like that. But we get to the spot that we like and drill a hole, eight inches. Yep, uh, good and thing you brought your new auger. Dude, so the new auger, by the way, Streeter made fun of me when we went to that small pond. It was three inches of ice. He goes, don't bring that thing. We'll just do a hand auger. Dude, I drilled all my holes with that, and he tried it once, and he goes, yeah, I might, I might need to buy one of these. I was like, yeah, it's nice. Like, I'm done <laughs> drilling holes by hand, dude. Um, so, yeah, that battery-operated auger, uh, it's a Gen, I think it's a Gen Gen 1 um, auger. It's still got the steel bit on it, which I prefer so it doesn't scrape up against the ice in the hole. Um, but it's just uh, it's just so much more efficient. It really is. And uh, eight inches of ice, no flags. Oof. <laughs> That's a long day. That pretty much sums up the, the pike on day one, but... I want to I wanna ask you one question is, yeah. I think you we talked about it on the phone, but... Didn't you guys do some research on where to look for pike and where they hold best for ice fishing? Yeah, so Streeter Streeter did a little bit more research than what I I my research is strictly just based on my experience, which honestly I've only been pursuing pike for like a year. And a lot of people, you know, they're I've fallen into the trap, I can admit. You know, a lot of people are like, Pike, oh it's trash rich, blah, blah. like why would you fish for those? Like Get those sons of guns like out of the uh, lakes and ponds, like blah, blah, blah. they're everywhere, dude. They are yeah. everywhere in this body of water. It's a great fight. I like it, and Streeter loves to eat pike, so it's just a it's a win win. Um, but one thing that I've noticed, an observation I've noticed, based on my research and observations, is like mud puppies. Mud puppies are like these little set, these giant salamander looking, like lizard things that, creatures oh dude that <laughs> very very invasive so invasive um you know i was talking to a fish biologist and he was actually mentioning that um pike won't even touch them huh which i thought pike were eating them and that's why i wasn't seeing pike because i wasn't seeing mud puppies lo and behold pike don't like them at all that's interesting. Which is another reason why they're so fucking invasive, because they really don't have many predators. And especially pike that would eat anything that really moves. <laughs> so the fish biologists hate them. They're like, you know, if you catch them, like, get rid of them, like, kill them, um, because they're so invasive. Um, they've actually, in the past, killed off entire ponds to try and get get rid Oof. of them. That's um, tough. 
So there was one pond in southern Maine that they killed off the entire pond because they were afraid that mud puppies were going to make their way into Sebago Lake. Oof, that would have been bad. So they killed off that that smaller pond to sacrifice that smaller pond for Sebago Lake, which that's a huge, that's like an epicenter of southern Maine waters. Oh, yeah, easily. So um, that was one observation I made. But, uh, yeah, Streeter did some research on, like, you know, the the depths that we should really be focusing. Typically for me, I go from like anywhere is between like four feet to like 10 feet, um, sometimes 15 feet. But um, Streeter was saying maybe a little bit deeper holes we should focus on. And we we're like, screw it. Let's try it. So like one day I was like, found a hole or which I thought was a hole. Because <laughs> on a map that I found, it said 37 feet. And I was like, what? I'm but like, then he cross-referenced with the state survey map. Yes, and the state survey map, which a lot of you know, those are old-ass maps. They're very old. I mean, this, I believe this map was from like 1978, maybe 1980, so a lot older. But on that map, it was, I've fished there. And when I saw the 37-foot hole, I was like, it's a small hole. You know, it's not very big, but maybe a quarter of an acre. Right? It's not very big, but I could have burped so bad. <laughs> um, but I was like, I know I fished over there before, and it's near open water too, so it's it's kind of sketchy too with early season. It's, yeah, especially having no ice for most of January. Yeah, and so we go out there and we drill like four pilot holes just to be like test holes of like, let's sound these holes. Dude, that sounder went below the ice and stopped. Yeah, that's disappointing. After finding that app, you were telling me about it where it showed the depths. I looked right at Streeter, and he's, like, laughing, like, huh, good one. I was like, I'm not shitting you. That sounder is right there. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> so that sucks. So we ventured out a little bit further, found some good ice, and just uh, set up in deeper waters. And once again, no flags. I mean, we keep in mind that... It, with this, I mean, that's two days of, like, zero flags, and we still have a great time. Street and I always have a great time out on the ice. Um, it's it's more than just catching fish for us. Is that a slow day? You're damn right it is, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. That is truth. That is fact. And, yes, that part sucks. Um, however, um, we're learning a lot as we get out there. You know, we're trying new things, but we're also targeting a specific like sized fish. Yep. yep. I mean, Christ, the the freaking bait that we're using is like a, a, a dinker. dinker. <laughs> like you're looking at like eight inch shiners. Like we're using some big bait, but you know, we're hoping for what's hanging on the wall behind me, you know? And yeah, I know I, by having those outings makes me realize even more what that, how special that is. You took the words out of my mouth because yep. that. That thing on the wall is special, and yeah, it's going to be hard to replicate it at this rate right now. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of work to do with that. Um, you know, there's still two. Uh, did we go out again? I'm trying to think. I went out again. Um, I took my daughter out with me, and my dad's like, what? "My old man's like, why did you bring her out there with you?" Like, <laughs> I'm like, "It's not about catching the fish right today, and it's close and whatnot." I'm like, 
He's like, bring her to like a yellow perch pond. I'm like, yeah, I know, but like, she just likes being out there. Yeah, it's all about being she, out, right? Doing the walk. Yeah, I mean, and it's close. Like, it's close to the parking lot. It's just it, it made sense for that day. But um, I do agree with him. But um, yeah, it's it's been. It's been freaking slow. I mean, everybody I've talked to, though, <laughs> every, every, I'm not, eh, eh, you know, everybody I've talked to, though, they, they've said the same. It, but uh, I've talked to a couple people now. It's like things seem like they're picking up again. Uh, Streeter and I are going to someplace new tomorrow. Mm. Uh, well, not new, but new this year. Yeah. Um, so we're going back to our our brown spot that we always catch browns. Yeah, I think we have a photo posted on Instagram. You can see a previous brown yeah. on the ice there. Yeah. So. Um, if it's ice fishing, it's a brown trout. I caught that from my mm. brown spot. Yep. Um So Streeter and I are heading back there. Um, we got th- three good spots on that body of water that we like to hit, but um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll it's see. funny that you're talking about uh, ice fishing heating up. I'll tell you one thing. The fly fishing in Mass is red hot right now. So, <laughs> but speaking of fly fishing, I brought some goodies for you when I came down this weekend, and they are some some nice shit. <laughs> it, so, I'm gonna start. Let, let, let's start with what we left off with. So, I bought the Orvis Bat and Kill one because mm. uh, I had the two eight TFO and. Dude, before we put line on that reel, it was like, oh, mm, like just it it fits that rod is complementary to that rod. It's like the perfect fit. It's like a Cinderella shoe to exactly. that to that rod. And so uh, last time I was down there fly fishing with you, I I left my Orvis bat and kill one with you. And your fly shop rigged it up for me mm. so that I got some floating line on there. So I didn't go with textured. Um, I just went with a smooth line. Um, and I, I want to comment on that. Yeah. We, there's no reason to go with a very high-end textured line if you're fishing blue lines, creeks. Mm-hmm. This line isn't really... We're, if we mend, that's a big creek we're on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're going to have about 6, 10 feet of line out at absolute most you're never going to see the backing you don't need a really high-end line for that type of fishing correct and, and it's still a, a good line and don't get me wrong it's a 70 dollars line if i get 30 feet of line out during a cast with that rod i'll be surprised well, meaning we, meaning well, <laughs> well we have the space <laughs> well, that's what i'm saying yeah exactly like, so there the line's going to be perfect for it. it's a double taper line it's perfect for throwing uh, double dry rigs, small weighted flies, known as Allagash White, and it's going to be dynamite. It's the bread and butter right now, baby. The bread and butter that's never touched water. Seriously. Uh, but there's even something that's more s- smooth. I will, I will say this statement. What I got last night from you, which I knew I was getting because... I told you, I was like, hey, if you see this at your fly shop, buy it, and I'll pay you back. And let's start back where, how many times did I fall this year? At least five. Five times. And I'm we're talking serious falls, not the little slips, not, not the, the little slips. falls. Like, you slip, fall, you hit, like, 
elbow. It's like where I look over and I'm worried about the trip ending. I'm like kneeling, going like panting and pain, just mm. So I was running like just like a hiking boot of a wading boot. I didn't have mesh on the bottom. Um and yeah. We upgrade to the Corker's Dark Horse. So I have the the version just below this, and I've I told you, I'll never look at a different boot. Corkers are the way to go, and the Dark Horse. Not only does it have all the bells and whistles, yeah, it has even more because it's no laces, cable nope. operated. Yep. Yeah, protective stitching, ankle support, interchangeable soles. You already have felts and rubber soles for that, and if it's like a glove. Yeah. So so last night, uh, tried them on even with the waders and wool socks on. And one thing that I noticed with these, so if you're one of those people that just has like a, a standard issue like wading boot, you know, a cheapo type of wading boot, like less than a hundred dollars, um, that essentially just looks like a hiking boot. Get rid of those fucking things, and you <laughs> you pick up a pair of these these wading boots. Um, so what I noticed is with my other my older boots, my old waders. I was tearing up the heels trying to get my foot into my boot mm. because even when they were like un, um, untied and really loose, I still had trouble getting my heel into the boot. These, it like opens up like a freaking blue whale's mouth <laughs> and you can just slide your foot right in and there's like zero friction. Mm. And then you ratchet that wire cable up for the laces and it's money. It Absolute is money. Money. And not to mention, I think you already said this, but the support around the ankles and heel, you feel like when you lace these sons of guns up, it feels like ski boots. And what's cool about them is you tried mine on and you immediately said, oh, these are like fit for your foot. Yes. And they break in tremendously. Yeah. Um, so like it's a, when you first look at them, it's, it's almost like when you buy like your big hunting warm winter mm. boots, you're like, these are huge. Like, these are bulky. But then when you put them on, they're so light. I know. I was surprised even when I opened the box up. I was like, that's a big boot. And then you put them on, it's like wearing moon boots. Those, like, cheapo, like, mm. foam, like, moon boots. Like, they're so light. But... Game. It's going to change everything. I think this is the biggest game changer I've ever purchased. If I were to say anything about getting your fly uh, fishing set up, the most important purchase is the boots. The yep. rod, who gives a fuck? Right. The reel, doesn't matter. Floating line, you're good. Yeah. Boots, so you can actually stand and not slip and be able to hike. It. You haven't had felts Ever. Ever. I've never wore felts ever. You're going to step on a rock and you're going to feel like you're Velcroed in. Because even when I, even when I caught that, that butterball, like beautiful colored brown uh, down Massachusetts, when I was fighting that and you were like trying to net it, I was like trying to work it to like the, the bank and I was slipping and sliding just trying to make it to the riverbank. And to build off that more, I've fished my boots so much where the felts, completely ripped off pretty much mm. you don't have to buy new boots nope. just buy new f soles and you're good to go it's incredible 
I mean, they... You're going to get many years out of that, unless something catastrophic happens, but... And they're, they're staring me down right now. Yeah, I took them out good. of the box so I could just look at them. They look good. They look amazing. I, like, I don't know. There's just so many little, like... When I when I took them out and tried them on last night, I, I sat here for probably, like, what, 15 minutes just staring at them, and I was like, they put some serious thought into this boot. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, when they made this boot, this was made by, like... People that fly fish. Yeah, they designed it and they redesigned it and they designed it again. Yeah. All it's, the bells and whistles. It is just it's an amazing boot. And I haven't even I haven't even worn it in the water. And I can already tell it's like yeah. Yeah. This is effing awesome. Like, look at that. God damn. Slick. <laughs> and they match. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember that old timer said you looked legit a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy fuck. Do you look legit <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah. I did not look half as legit then. But but we um we there's going to be an interesting transition from this pod because when this comes out, we're going to mm. be near April. Getting ready for turkey season. Getting ready for turkey season. Getting ready for spring. Uh, there'll definitely be more solo outings. Maybe we'll both get out in uh, late winter, hopefully. But there's uh, a lot on the horizon. There's a lot a to think about. A lot to talk about. Mm. A lot of planning. Got to think about Vermont soon. Yep. When this comes out, we'll be actually thinking about Vermont. It won't just be uh, yeah. uh, kicking it down the road type deal. I know. I know. And we're getting closer and closer to that. I mean, last night we talked about you you we watched a, a video and you're like, Do you realize that this is like attainable? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A western trip. And by western I mean like not Vermont, but like Oh, we're talking uh across the continental divide. Yeah. Yeah. Very doable. So that's crazy to think about. Yeah, in the near future, I can see it happening. There is what's cool about this year. We talked about it before. We have no big, big trip planned. Mm. That just gives us a whole extra year to think about a big trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like I think, oh, that sucks. He's wrapped around that stick. <laughs> oh, get him, get him, get him! Damn. Is his tippet still wrapped around it? I, I think so. I'm not sure. Man. It's good shit. Oh, now he's got another stick. Oh. What the fuck, dude? Did you just let the fish out of the net? Figure it out. We're, we're watching some fly fishing. But anyways. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy to think about that we've come this far. But I think by fishing other states this year, it will get us trained to figure out how other states work so that when we do go to another state like out west we'll be that much more like prepared yeah i've been fortunate having moved out of maine where i've been forced to do this already and having already fished vermont connecticut mass i have fished in colorado i forget that um i don't <laughs> it's there's still a lot to learn in terms of planning logistics mm. and finding fish when you first show up. I mean, that's, again, we've been very fortunate when we've made radical changes to plans where we've been able to 
get on fish that's never a guarantee anytime you go fishing. Yeah. So, you know, they're I think last year's hundred uh, percent batting average will will be a little bit below that this year. I mean, we'll we'll You say that now. I know. I'll do my research, but if I if I'm not going out and doing some solo scouting, you you're gonna be scouting with me on some of these trips. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. I know. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot coming out. Check the Instagram. Yeah. Check the old pods. Spread the word. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a, yeah, turkeys gonna look a little bit different this year too. Very different. So. Yeah, we haven't even thought about that. I'm still not thinking about that right now, to be completely honest. I got you got to give me at least six weeks, and then I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna wrap up this pod, folks. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it, Um, and a lot more to come. Um, So, as always, get in the woods and get on the water.